0: You're listening to Inspired Edinburgh, a weekly interview show that brings you raw and powerful conversations with fascinating people from all walks of life. Our mission is to inspire and encourage you to reflect on your identity, beliefs, purpose and worldview. If you enjoy this, please subscribe for future episodes and feel free to contact us via any of our social media channels. Thank you in advance for taking the time to listen to the show and we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Inspired Edinburgh, the home of powerful conversations. I'm Elliot Reeves and my guest today is Col Gray. Col is a graphic and brand designer, owner and head honcho of Pixels Inc, a comic book geek, a speaker and a YouTuber. You have a passion for branding that is as big as your beard although I'm not so sure. <laughs> with 20 years of brand and graphic design experience under your signature baseball cap, you help people rock their brand. By creating strong visual branding combined with a solid brand strategy that has personality and vision, you help Clark Kent become Superman. Cole, it's brilliant to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Elliot. <laughs> it's brilliant to have you here. So the the superhero thing seems to be quite a sort of thread in in the kind of the line of work that you do. Who is your favourite superhero? Oh,
1: oh, <laughs> now you put yeah. Let's see, like which one springs to mind straight away? Yeah. probably Deadpool is oh, is there also. just because he breaks the the fourth barrier, you know, and speaks directly to the audience. That was a that was a new thing when he came out, and just makes me laugh. And I think okay. Ryan Reynolds has done a great job with bringing that out so yeah, yeah in terms of that he's yeah really really cool and Lobo is probably one Lobo. that not many people know but Lobo so. is a is a biker alien basically that's how you could describe him a hell's angel alien oh, nice. stuff he's really cool but <laughs> yeah he's a DC I'm more of a Marvel fan okay but, uh, I'm not so much a DC fan but Lobo's DC so I'll give him that <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> so I mean it would be
0: would be Really, I mean, for, for myself as well, kind of fascinating to kind of go back to mm-hmm. Cole's early life, you know, yeah. where you kind of grew up and, and what that sort of,
1: you know, experience was like for sure. you. <laughs> um, born and bred in Dundee. Mm-hmm. I've never lived anywhere else. I've lived in different schemes of Dundee, but not out outwith. Um, I'm the oldest of six really children Wow. and um, so I got the blame for a lot of things uh, <laughs> growing up Um if my brothers and sisters are watching this you know I love you all um, <laughs> but I, as a kid I was always doodling and drawing that's like my earliest memories. Being like my gran and granddad's they had like a, a red leather like book whether it was lined or not I can't quite remember I was always would go and visit on a Sunday for Sunday lunch and I would always be drawing and doodling in that hmm. and then primary school if anything needed to be drawn for a poster or something, it was always get calling to do it, get calling to do it. Um, so that kind of built up a little bit of an ego in me in primary school as as this artist, and then that was kind of blown out the water when I went to secondary school and I wasn't the best. Okay. <laughs> when you go to when you go to art class, um, and um, I had a great um, art teacher uh, for a couple of years, and he grounded me. He he was like, you know, you need to put your efforts in because you know, yeah, you've got natural talent there, but there's you need to kind of follow some basic rules and stuff. So hmm. I was always into drawing and stuff. Um, I was about nine or ten when I... I'd always been into the Beano and the Dandy, the, the, like the, the classic UK ones. Yeah. I was about ten or eleven when my gran bought me an American comic which hmm. was um, a marvel one it was called secret wars and that was probably the best one to get into at that time because it was all of the heroes and all of the villains fighting themselves on an alien planet it was just great as a 10 year old it just blew my mind mm-hmm. um and so and I got into sort of 2000 ad and judge dread and all kind of more grown up stuff mm-hmm. um and I was just fascinated by the result. now I'm not I'm not a great illustrator that's I can't Draw my life drawing teachers at uni would testify to the fact that (laughs) my people looked a bit strange. Um, So it was very much more the the layouts of comics and the panels and the graphic stuff Um, that the lettering, the typography, yeah, that sucked me in, and I really really liked that. So when I was at school, I got into more into that type of stuff, more into layouts and things. Um, well, when I left school, um, I wanted to go to art college um, and I put together a portfolio and I didn't didn't get in, um, unfortunately. Uh, no, but I, I wanted to get in, but I, I wanted to put a portfolio together. So I went to Dundee College, who had a portfolio course. You build a portfolio and you go to art college. And they told me that my portfolio wasn't good enough to get on the portfolio course, which kind of confused me a little bit. I thought we were trying to build a yeah. portfolio. So I was really down about that because I didn't have any other plans. I wanted to go to art college. Hmm. So it was raining really heavily that day. And I had one of those massive portfolios because I'd done exits and entrances for my six-year studies at schools so massive charcoal drawings and stuff of just structure and layouts. And I didn't want to get wet, so I left it at the college and said, can I pick it up later? So I went back on the, that was the Friday, went back on the Monday, picked it up, took it away, thought nothing of it. A week later, I got a phone call from one of the lecturers at Dundee College saying, I hope you don't mind, but when you left your portfolio in the the staff room, I had a little flick through it, (laughs) and I really liked what you've done. We've actually got a space on the interior design course. Would you like it? And I was like, well, I've got nothing else to do. So I joined that course. I was the only boy. On that really? course, it was all, all <laughs> girls and me, um, and it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. But we did, you know, we did life studies and and the stuff that you did in all the other classes. Mm-hmm. Halfway through that year, someone had decided they wanted to swap into interior, and they knew that I wanted to do more graphic stuff. And they said, "We've got someone wants to swap from the graphic design illustration course." would you like to swap with them? Hmm. And I was like, yes, please. And so I moved into that class. And it was more illustrative graphic design, because they had graphic design advertising, which is kind of, I suppose, what I do now. But it was a great move. And I I had a, I was at a wedding a few weeks ago, and a lot of my college friends were there. So it was like a reunion, um, sort of a few years now, <laughs> um, since we left there. And that was sort of the beginning of my graphic design journey. And I was there for three years, got my HND, graduated, didn't know what to do with myself, <laughs> went down to Duncan of Jordanston College of Art in Dundee, did an open day and um, was going through the, went to graphic design obviously first and then was wandering around and bumped into this gentleman wearing a Donald Duck bow tie. And just started speaking to him. And he ran the brand new animation course that they were starting. Or it had been going for a year. I thought, that sounds amazing. I love animation and cartoons and stuff. I hmm. started speaking to him and he said, well, why don't you apply? So I applied for that course and got on it. Um, <laughs> and so started my animation degree. Did that for three years. Um, learned a lot of skills. Mm-hmm. Learned about patience. You know, 30 frames, 25 frames a second, individual hand-drawn. Jeez. That was something else. Stop motion. Learned a bit about video, about um, how to, you know, set a shoot up and things like that. Basic things at that point. As I got into my third year, I started to get more, back more into graphic design again. The web was coming up. This was 1997, 98. So the web was still, you know, this is 20 years ago, Hmm. the web was around, Mm -hmm. but it was more basic than it is now. So web pages, design, layout, and I thought I'll get into maybe animation for the web. Um, completed my degree, got my honours degree, and um, left wanting to pursue graphic design again. And uh, <laughs> kind of got just yeah, left going with a new revitalised approach for it. So it's that's kind of my yeah quick track yeah through, yeah through education. Anyway, And I mean, you've virtually worked in that, I mean, ever since, really, is that right? I have, yeah. I mean, I my first job out of college, like a lot of people, was in a call centre. <laughs> <Okay.
0: laughs> so many graduates work in
1: call centres, it's uh, it's amazing. A bit soul-destroying <laughs> as well, but you needed to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my first job was for four weeks in a print shop in Dundee. Um, that was a baptism of fire. <laughs> That's when you realise that sometimes, I think it's different now, but back then the colleges and universities didn't tie in with industry. Mm -hmm. What you did in uni was, was get your degree. You completed tasks that fulfilled your degree, didn't prepare you for industry, for what? Business owners needed you to do, yeah. so I walked in there thinking, I've done graphic design and animation. I'm perfect for this. yeah they used different software than I'd been used to <laughs> um, the you 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 got twelve weeks to complete a project. you know this is like we need this done by the afternoon. It was mm. stressful, very mm-hmm. stressful um, didn't get on very well with the the, the, the manager of that print shop and um, so I ended up you know leaving. Uh, leaving that and uh, kind of looking for other other bits and bobs, but it was um, it was good. It, it kind of opened up a lot of not doors, but it it made me realise that there's different areas within graphic design. It's not all you don't have to be doing adverts for magazines. There's other things that you can be doing, and so that's a kind of a story throughout the different jobs that I've had. The I've had good bosses, mm-hmm. and I've had bosses which i would say you know looking at the time were horrendous and really stressful to work for but looking back a lot of lessons learned in how i run my business now and what not to do yeah. and how not to treat people so i can thank them for for teaching me that back then no i couldn't be around them but i you know there's lots to lots to take from that so it's mm-hmm. It's interesting to go back, you know, to go through everything and, you know, but hmm. yeah, I'm fully embracing, I suppose I'm fully, as, as you've mentioned, I'm, I'm fully embracing the branding side of graphic design. Now. Yeah. I've, I've cut my teeth doing the adverts and the flyers <laughs> and the posters and I still do them, you know, but I, my focus is now more on the sort of the bigger picture. What do you need behind all of this branding materials? What needs to be there? Yeah, it's what people are focusing on, so. yeah
0: I mean branding's an interesting one. I suspect that I mean certainly from my own perspective, it's probably something that's maybe slightly misunderstood. I mean if you can give an overview perhaps as to like what branding sure. is and yeah. and some of the ways in which I suppose businesses can um you know use branding or improve yeah, their branding. I,
1: think the, I think the biggest thing for people is that, that a lot of people m- misinterpret or think brand and branding are the same thing. Mm. Um your brand is kind of the is the intangible stuff. It's how people feel about your product or service. Your branding is the phys- is how you promote your brand. So it's the mm. physical things. So it's your logo, it's your flyers, it's your posters, it's your youtube videos things that people can can interact with Mm -hmm. although you know you do interact with a brand through speaking and stuff like that it's it's i the easiest way that i say is brand is intangible it's how people feel branding is the physical items you could go into it more than that but i think that helps people differentiate the Mm -hmm. two and it kind of makes it easier for them to go oh i see a lot of that I get it now, okay, and, and they can then go on their own journey with it. Before then, when you mix the two of those up, it becomes confusing and you don't know, you know, how to move forward. And I think by clarifying that, you yeah. can put plans and strategies into place, which is what a lot of people don't have as a strategy for the brand. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, and, and so f- from your perspective, do you see a kind of
1: misalignment often between those
0: two things?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think people... I think people think that their brand can be whatever's a hot topic at, at that moment. And so they will adjust their brand to ride a wave of what's happening. Now, you can do that. You can um news Jack, I suppose, is, You know they call it. You can, you can use things to jump on. If it's the Olympics, you can make something which is sport-related. Mm-hmm. But you can only really do that successfully if you are 100% solid, in your brand's purpose and where your brand's going to go and your core values, if you are purely acting on the latest trends, you're not giving people anything to cling on to. It's kind of, I don't know what they're selling. What's their message? One minute they're humorous, the next minute they're sporty, the next minute they're serious. What's, What's the feeling? If you take, for example... A brand like coca-cola who can who sponsor olympics and things like that they Mm. do have a common thread though it's family and friendship and sharing in everything that they do you know that's that's what coke is it's it's, that's theirs you then take um iron brew (laughs) you know another soft drink company but entirely different it's totally irreverent, and you know, just uses Scottish humour, and and you know, in their adverts, and so many of their adverts don't make it to TV. You can only watch them yeah. on YouTube. Because yeah, right. And I love that about them that they're not that they're willing to do that. But they are. They know who they are. They just they're like this is us. This is what we do. We're not going to bend or break. Brewdog are probably the same, you know, and that type of thing. Um, innocent smoothies. They know who they are. Hmm. They're playful. You know, you look at the bottom of their cart and it says, stop looking at my bottom. <laughs> things like that. It's these yeah. little things that will embed themselves. That's a brand. That's, that's emotional connection between you and your customer. Mm-hmm. It's not about the latest technique or tactic to sell your product. It's yeah. building up a relationship so that even if you do make a mistake down the line, You'll be forgiven for it because they have made a mistake. That's normally not what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think uh, to be very on topic is yesterday was the the. It's coming up to Christmas now when we're recording this, and Greg's made that advert where they replaced the baby Jesus with the sausage roll. Now <laughs> I thought it was funny. Yeah. It's it's very on brand. Greg's are very. But I can see how that would upset some people. It'll be over. It'll be forgotten about. But at the same time. Look at the publicity. Yeah. Did they do that on purpose? Knowing that they would get some, because, you know, it would possibly offend some people. But it's okay to be offended, you know, mm-hmm. by brands. It's not going to ruin your life. Let a brand offend you. If it does and you don't want to do business with them, just move on. It's not going to, the brand's not really going to take notice because they'll just, yeah. they'll juggernaut onto the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I'm saying. That's where a brand is different too to branding you're building up an emotional connection whether good or bad yeah there's nothing wrong with if it's bad that means the brand is more likely pushing you away because you're not the ideal person for them so Mm. that's a good way to use your brand is you know pull people in who you want to work with but push people away who are not your ideal customers so it's Mm. there's a lot of a lot of that goes around it's not just Drawing pretty pictures for me, I've got to think about these things. Yeah, yeah, for it, my clients. Absolutely, when it's we're very, starting the strategy. So
0: yeah, yeah, it's very nuanced. Yeah, yeah, um, oh, very. And, yeah. and I remember one of the things that you wrote were uh, it was like people want to create something, and it, it's not what they want; it's yeah. what the customer wants. Yeah. It's what they can
1: relate to. Yeah, you have to you have to be designing it for someone else. You do. It's um, that's my that's that's my catchphrase: is that the logo's not for you yeah. um, type of thing. Now, there's take that with a pinch of salt. Obviously, you have to like the logo that you're going to live with. Hmm. But I think if a designer does the job correctly and takes their client through the process of this is why your brand identity, your logo is like this, mm-hmm. is because we've researched your customers, we know where they hang out, we know this. And this is what will this is what appeals to them. Mm. You will bring in something of the client as well. I like to bring in little stories that the clients told me into the logo that really the viewer won't know unless the, the my client tells them. Mm. Maybe writes a blog about you know the process they went through Designing the logo. I've got one client who's lo- who loves uh, flamingos, pink flamingos. Now, if you looked at the logo, it's got there's one section which is pink. So now I've said pink flamingos. You could go, oh, that's how it's got in there. But it's actually more than that. We've got I have got references in there to flamingos, <laughs> um, and I have other clients are we've got stories in there that they can tell if someone asks or if they want to sort of just have something to start a conversation. Mm -hmm. And did you know that my logo has this in it? And so these are hidden stories. And and that's what, that's usually what gets client excited, is that hidden secret that they have, that only they know, and it's up to them whether they tell people. But at the same time, on the flip side, visually, the logo has been designed because that's what the customer's looking for. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a great job to have, yeah. you know, being able to... You're kind of a storyteller, but not with... what wor- You know, they say an image speaks a thousand words, mm. you kind of have that, um, you know. But when I'm talking about having stories and things, it's not the literal, we're an airline, airplane round the globe, we're a railway, <laughs> ra- you know, train on a track. It's not yeah. those types of stories. Those logos can be very clichéd and and not really work. You want something which is a bit more individual. So, And they're hard work. It's not easy to do. Yeah. It might look it <laughs> when the logo's done, and you go, I could have done that. That's a five-minute job. But it only looks like that because of six weeks of research and iteration. Yeah. Know? So it's... it's it's different.
0: <laughs> so, if someone comes to you, then, for example, and they want to go from, you know, Clark Kent to Superman, mm-hmm. I mean, what does that kind of process look like? How do you analyze and break it down and,
1: you know? getting to, um, I mean, obviously, some people might be Wonder Woman. Let's not get. I, know, I did. Um, yeah, I did I think very that in the beginning. Of, <laughs> I'm very aware of that. Actually, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going yeah. to change that because it's very. Not everyone wants to be Superman. Um, I mean, and there's me saying earlier on, you know, I'm a Marvel more than a DC, but it's it's one of those, it's a brand. Superman's a brand. Everyone yeah. knows it. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, it's, it's getting, what's the quickest way for me to get across what I do? Um, <laughs> when a client approaches me, um, obviously we'll have a chat and we'll find out what they want, but my process, the first thing that we do is we'll find out what their core values are. Mm-hmm. Um, not and it tend, depend it's easier if it's a one if it's one person starting a business the core values will be their core values not what they think the business's core values are because hmm. when you start down that road you're being something else you're not being you and so you're constantly when you're marketing or whatever you're having to switch your brain into a a business mode almost, and say this is this is what the brand needs to be. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you you are essentially the brand, you're starting the business, so it's your thing. So you want your values to be in there, so it's natural. You wake up in the morning, you you can brand your business because it's you. Um, and by going through the core values, you'd be I mean, you maybe wouldn't be surprised, but the reactions that you get. When you make someone think about what their core values are, because they may on the surface think they know what they are, but then I make them work hard <laughs> on them, you know? Um, it may take someone an hour, it may take someone a week to go through the process. It's a fairly simple process. 500 words tick, which ones you just instantly have a relationship with narrow those down to 25 then 15 then five and for some people getting from the 10 to the five can be really really hard (laughs) so we get them to do that and then we look at those core values and we we break those down a little bit okay where does that in which part of your life does this represent is it family life is it where you see your business is it see you how you help your customers and and you know what does it represent as your product and going through that. Now, a lot of people might think, I just want you to draw a picture. <laughs> but that's how a lot of people do. That's how you, A lot of quick logos are done. It's just, I need someone to represent this. But I've learned over the years that those tend to be the logos which change after a year when the person goes, this doesn't fit my business anymore. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to do is create a brand identity that can grow as the business grows so that it's always going to be it will change and tweak but it's not going to be a brand new logo it's going to just evolve as they go so we'll go through that and from that point on the hard bits kind of done for from the client's perspective that's their homework that's their big thing and then we'll research their customers their competitors where people hang out what do they like what do they not like mm mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll ask the client to give me examples of logos that they like and dislike but we have to remember the logo's not for them so this yeah. is just to give me an idea of a ballpark of where to start um, with and then I will start to do some concepts and I will just start sketching I'm still a big one for using well I was using sketchbooks I've now got my iPad Pro which I love <laughs> um, getting used to a plastic pencil on a plastic screen though yeah. from paper was was interesting but It helps me speed things up and I can now keep a digital track of everything. Um, I can time-lapse record my sketching, which is just as interesting for me to look back on and look at where I've gone through. Well, that idea's come from there. It's kind of evolved through. So I will sketch, could be dozens, could be hundreds of ideas. Then I will cherry-pick four or five, which I think have legs in them process those a little bit more and then I'll narrow that down to two, maybe three, which I'll present to the client and see after all the research. And it just lets them know that I've I've looked at all the angles because they'll often say, what about if we de- I've already done that? It doesn't, it won't work in this situation. Sometimes I'll show the client the sketch as evidence. See? There it is, there. But more often than not, that, that just muddies the waters for the client. It gets them, it gets their brain thinking on design and mm. that's not their speciality. It's almost I'm almost trying to keep them away from that side so that I'm presenting to them here's the solution. Is this right for you? Do we think this is going to be the right thing? Mm. And then we will take a concept and we will develop that further um, into the final the final design. So as a process, it's around about 6 weeks. Some can be quicker if the client isn't working on anything else and I've got an open timeline. Mm -hmm. We can do it really quickly. But to be honest with you, I'm not a fan of that because I myself need to take a break from it because it's like looking at anything. You become used to it and you can't see the wood for the trees sometimes. So I like to take 48 hours, sometimes a week, and go back at it and go... Because I might have lots of sketches and not see anything and then go back after a week and go, that, there that's got possibilities and I'll take it on. So time and rest between the different stages of the project is good for me and it's good for the client. Um, If we have a call, the good thing about technology today is I'll have video calls with my clients and we can Mm. share screens and we'll discuss the concept and I'll say, okay, well, I'm going to send over a PDF now with the concepts. Don't look at it till tomorrow. Just don't look at it till tomorrow. I know that's going to be hard for you, but don't look at it till tomorrow so that you're coming at it fresh and then give me your initial feedback then when you're looking at it that way. Don't show it to your mum, don't show it to your grand, don't show it to your wife because they'll give you feedback which is not the feedback you need because family members and friends want to protect their friend. So Mm -hmm. if they see any negative connotations, that's what they'll bring up (laughs) and that'll put doubt into the client's mind. The client and I have gone through six weeks of research knowing that this is right. The family member, their friend doesn't know the research. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, oh, knee-jerk reaction. And it puts doubts into the client's mind. So I say, look, they're not your ideal customer. This is targeted at your customers, Hmm. not your family. And so that's a big thing (laughs) as well is um, telling people, don't listen to your friends. Yeah, um, yeah, listen to me. You know that's why you're paying me um, is because I have the experience of this and trust me, we're doing the right thing. You know. So yeah. it's, it's almost an agony uncle. We're doing the right thing here. Don't worry about it. You'll be <laughs> fine. You'll be fine.
0: How much do you struggle with kind of perfectionism? Hugely.
1: Yeah. Hugely. <laughs> um, the scariest part of the project for me is the first concept call. Where I'm presenting what I think is the right thing, I just get so nervous about it, which I think is a good thing. I think it's like, let's think it's like performers who go on stage who always say, if I didn't feel nervous, I don't care enough. Mm -hmm. If I just went on and was like, blah, blah, and didn't feel nerves, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be putting everything into it. I should be nervous. I'm confident Mm -hmm. that it's the right thing. Um, and I've never had one go bad. I've never had one where the, the clients flipped the table over <laughs> and, and walked out the door. Yeah. It's always, if anything, there may be, they might have some concerns and stuff, but that's that's the point is they should have concerns. They should They should throw it back at me. I should have to kind of not justify the idea or the concept, but explain to them. Where's this concept come from? Why mm-hmm. are we doing this? Um, but a lot of the time, because my processes now involve all of this, um, conversation with the client and, and the core values and everything, more often the client understands and they go, I like it. I like where we're going with this. And so when that first, when that concept calls done, it's for me, it's, it's, it's downhill from there on in because it's now a process of iterations brand guidelines, mm-hmm. getting it out there. Hmm. It's the build-up to that where it's like this is it. This is what it's like. This is the 20 years. This is what it's down to call. This is <laughs> this is make or break moment. Have we have we cracked it? And to be honest, it's, it it does. It just works perfectly. The process works. Yeah. And that's it. if you follow the process, it will work. If it doesn't, something's been missed and you could always go back. Um, and that's the thing as well, because it's a process if there is something that worries the client, you can say, okay, well, let's go back to your core values or let's go back to where your customers hang out. Do we think this is this fulfills that? And more often than that, it's going, yeah, you're right, actually, I'd forgotten about that, and you move on. Mm-hmm. Before, when I started, maybe, you know, well, Pixel Zinc's 13 years old, so if we went back to the start of Pixel Zinc, not so much my design, where I was doing logos for very little money, which meant, I could spend very little time on it, that sort of thing, I wouldn't be able to go back and go, well, if you look at if you look at where this is going to be targeted. So I've learned a lot from that and and, and I have sympathy and I understand new designers who are starting out and aren't charging a lot, who mm-hmm. who feel concerned that they're spending too much time. And when they break it down into sort of an hourly rate, which I don't, you know, I'll say this now, designers, you shouldn't be charging on an hourly rate, you should be charging on value. Um, (laughs) That I understand, but I would say to them, spend the time. Even if you're not making a huge amount, spend the time, build up the process, and it won't take long before people will see that you're a professional and you are taking the time and, the value is there, so you will be able to charge more for it. It's it's one of the things as a designer, the business side is the side we don't want to do. <laughs> and We want to help people. We yeah. want to create these things which makes a difference. When you have to start talking about money, that's when you start to get, oh, man, how much do I charge for this? <laughs> I'm just drawing pictures. How much can I charge for that? But I've now got to a point where I understand the value of what I'm giving. How do people. you establish that? I think you can only establish that value when you do have experience and you can say to a client, here's examples. So that's why you know, I would say, that's why I'm saying to designers, you will have to put the effort in and the work for probably not much money Mm. at the start, Mm -hmm. but not for too long because you can end up making it difficult for yourself. I did that. I charged very little, but provided amazing service and value. And it got to the point where I got a reputation for that. Hmm. He's amazingly good and he's dead cheap. <laughs> Nobody wants to be told or referred they're dead cheap. Yeah, um, yeah, So that was a hard battle for me to get out of that, and it's only the past three years that I've managed to get out of that. And that's sort of by surrounding myself by people who value <laughs> what I do and tell me every day, <laughs> "Call, you're worth more than that." You know, you need to you as a sole designer, you need to surround yourself with with other business people, you know, successful ones, people who are starting up, not just other designers. Because if it's other designers who are who are doing the same as you, you just become neurotic about it and you're like, oh, but they're only charging that as well, so I can't possibly charge this. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like Apple, I suppose. Apple gets slated as, you know, oh, you're a sheep if you follow Apple. But they're the ones that take the step to the future, they are the f- they are the ones that removed floppy drives from their computers. They are the ones that removed the three and a half mil jack, and <laughs> everyone's like, "Well, I want to use my headphones." All the new iterations of smartphones from Samsung, like, where's the jack? Yeah, you know, it's always good to have the scapegoat. And I think if you are surrounded by people who are, you know, it's always been done this way. Let's keep doing it this way, mm-hmm. then you'll always do it that way. Um, what was it? Someone said to me, <laughs> Nothing changes if nothing changes. So you need to you need to take that leap. And I'm not I'm not I'm not the bravest of people, but in the past three years I've been taking those leaps and going, I should have done this ten years ago. <laughs> Cause it wasn't it was scary. It was like jumping off a cliff edge. But there were people around me to catch me, to help me, and move on. It wasn't going to be a disaster. What's the worst that could happen? Might lose all my clients. Yeah, but if you're moving because you want diff- you want clients who value you, mm-hmm. is it not a good thing that you lose clients who don't value you and start working for clients who do? Yeah. So it's. But when you know when it's paying the bills time, that's when it gets scary. You know, but I don't want to lose all my clients. Mm-hmm. I would say take the leap. As scary as it is, take the leap and do it. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. easy for me to say. And you know, a lot of the books that I've read are by people who are hundred, you know, six figure, seven figure design agencies and stuff. <laughs> so they're already there. So you can kind of point. And say, oh, it's easy for you to say that now. Put my hand up, folks. Um I'm not in the uh, six figure bracket. I'm I'm starting out. You know, I'm kind of pixelsinks. 13 years old, but I'm treating myself like I'm three. Because that's where my journey started really three years ago in terms of thinking like a business and not uh, a designer. Uh-huh. Not, you know, it's a different mindset that they need to have or designers need to have. So, mm. yeah, get a bit schooly now, a bit teachery.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on things like Fiverr. Um, or like Upwork, and mm-hmm. how potentially disruptive that is in terms of, you know, are people now looking at those as viable options? Yeah, you know, twenty pounds for a logo rather than yeah. whatever it's, you. you know.
1: It's. I used to not even say the word Fiverr, um, because it just, it, I just couldn't see why people would would use it. So why should I help them? by speaking their name but i've come to the conclusion cuz i'm more confident in my own abilities now and i'm more confident that people that want to work with me will work with me that fiverr is what it is now i still disagree with 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 the way it works in terms of uh, logos because there's uh, so many dangers with it. You know, it's people who haven't been trained and you, there's instances of people who've had logos designed and the designers used a uh, designer loosely have used, has used clip art as part of the logo or used a stock image and the client's unaware and then they get hauled up later on and it's the client that's at fault. And because Fiverr, will, you know, when you sign a deal with Fiverr, yeah. it's with the designer. It's not with Fiverr. Mm. And that's the clever thing with these types of websites your deal isn't with, they're just a facilitator. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I will, I've I've directed clients to Fiverr when they've wanted uh, graphic for social media. Things like that. Things which, if you've already got a, a brand identity and something, you just need somebody to mock something up. There's loads of skilled people out there that will do that, you know. So if it can save you money, if it's going to cost you £100 for me to do it, but you can get it done for, you know, and it's not worth my time. Yeah. I could do it, It would cost them 10 times, 20 times as much, and I'd make money out of it, but it's not where my focus is. So I think Fiverr is good for for those really quick things. I've noticed that they've started Fiverr Pro, which is where they've got some fairly big names actually in there um, doing that. But I think for me, Fiverr has a, it's built its brand on cheap. And so I don't. Yeah. I I think it's an uphill struggle for them to do that. Upwork, um, I think, is a better thing. Um, I've never used it myself. Not entirely sure how it works, but you know, I think people will get paid a better rate mm-hmm. um, for it. More sort of uh, outsourcing. Um, yeah. Fiverr, I don't class as outsourcing. Um, <laughs> Upwork, maybe more so, because um, people are kind of choosing to be there. I don't know if they set their hourly rate or how it works mm-hmm. um, but I, I think it'd be slightly better than Fiverr. And then you've got your other things like 99designs which are competition based websites where mm. you say I want a logo that does this, I have this budget and then people submit designs. That's spec work in my thing and I have a big thing about no spec. I believe you should be paid for the work that you do and um, so Yes, the client wins. They get lots of designs, but they also get lots of designs just thrown at them. It's like my sketching stage. Mm. I do hundreds of sketches, but they're not for use. 99 Designs is all sketch work, Mm. and you have to pick one, and that's your logo. So, Mm. it's you need to be careful with these things. It might look like a good deal. Wow, I'm getting hundreds of designers giving me the designs, but a lot of them are amateurs. It's Mm -hmm. amateur designers. They're the ones that that are in there. And you'll notice on 99 Designs that there's maybe three or four people who are winning all the time, winning all these things because they're the mm. professionals. And so, you know, they're, they kind of know what they're doing and they've, they've, they've been in there since the start and they've cornered the market. So is yeah. there any point really in doing that? Mm. So I have a love-hate <laughs> thing with them. I think they serve a purpose for some things but I do think in the scheme of things they do damage graphic design in terms of it being a skilled professional um, area like you know lawyer you know is paid well Mm. because people yeah lawyers I pay a lawyer because they're good at what they do and you know I need their expertise for some reason graphic design is treated as a secondary thought and oh but surely you can just throw that together for me and, and you know and it'll be fine and it'll be great and How much are you going to charge me for that? Oh, come on. I could get my nephew to do that for me. You wouldn't say that about, you know, a lawyer. I can get my nephew to knock up those um, papers for me. Yeah, Graphic design isn't any different. We are all trained. You know, I've done six years. You know, I've done animation for three. I did uh, my graphic design for three. And then I've done... I've kind of served my time working in agencies and studios. Probably put in more training than lawyers or doctors you know Mm -hmm. so it's but I think it's just that thing that design is often seen as easy to do Mm -hmm. Um, you know but that's the that's the good a good sign if we use logos as an example the sign of a good logo is if it's really simple and people think I could do that in five minutes no you could probably uh, you know after repetition after you would eventually end up at that but it's there for a purpose because it's It's been focused in on that. So it's, Mm -hmm. and I think that's the problem because it looks so simple. Hmm. People assume that it's quick and it's cheap and it's not. Whereas. Brain surgery and lawyers and stuff, it's all very technical and and things like, you know, it's like like web design, I suppose, and web developers Mm -hmm. get paid a lot because it's a technical thing. People don't see graphic design as technical, and it is. There's a lot of technicalities into it. If you do it right, um, Mm -hmm. there is. And that's why you can very easily see between a professional graphic design and an amateur one. You could look at them and go, that one just looks right, Mm. feels right. That one, not so much. So, yeah, it's... It's hard being a designer, and in in, in in the way that it's hard to get people to put their trust in you and pay you what you're worth, you yeah, know, yeah. because people don't often see that worth upfront. Kind of yeah. goes back to you know how do people value, how can you say you're worth this? What's the value you can give me? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that will come from the experience and stuff again. But I think it's up to people like me. The more experienced designers to give that confidence to the young designers mm-hmm. that they should be charging more. If they all charged more, it would help the industry as a whole. Yeah, but yeah. because there are there are a lot of people out there, a lot of designers who are like, no, I'm not. Want, I, I want to protect my job, but they think by protecting their job, what that means is, is don't help young designers who could potentially take work away from them. They won't take the work away if you're good at what you do. People want to work with people, like in anything. So every mm-hmm. designer's different. I, I'll have a meeting with a client and treat it entirely differently to someone else. Someone else may be more analytical. I'm very much, let's see how this rolls. And, you know, I want to know the person. Mm-hmm. I don't go in with a questionnaire. That's the, <laughs> That'll kill it dead. Right, yeah. I've just got this 20-point questionnaire for us to go through. <laughs> oh, They've come to you excited about getting a brand done, and you're like, Let's analyze this. Hmm. I'll just have a chat. They'll be answering the questions, but they don't know it.
0: Um,
1: yeah. I'll be taking notes and by doing that by by helping young designers be confident it will just boost everything and then these people who are worried that they can't make or they'll have their clients stolen away will soon find out that well, because the younger designers are confident and they're charging more. Mm-hmm. The experienced professional, longer serving, can charge more. It's all a scale. Yeah. You know, it'll all scale up. Not to the point where I want to overcharge people. And mm-hmm. I think it could get a bit ridiculous. But I think there needs to, this bottom end needs to be brought up so that we are treated as the professionals that we are. And I think it would also mean that any amateur bedroom designers would be more keen. To study the basics of design, rather than just running in and throwing any, because that's the thing as well. Because there's so many amateurs muddying the waters with rubbish designs. When you do a Google search for logos, there's so many awful things coming up in these searches that anyone who's not a designer will be like, "I don't know. Hmm. What's the difference between that and that? Why is that any different? You know." So it's yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of onus on people like me, I think, to to educate clients and. Designers, Definitely. you know, to to just be brave, yeah. take that leap, that yeah. thing that I didn't do for 10 years. <laughs> um, but that's because I had uh, nobody telling me. Yeah, I had nobody saying, you know, hmm. do this, do that. Yeah. I could read books by Paul Rand, you know, who's like, who did so many famous logos, but he's so far out of reach that I couldn't connect with that Mm -hmm. what you need is designers who are halfway on that journey or a third in or two thirds in to be speaking to the people who so the two thirds speaks to the person who's the third the third speaks to the person who's at the bottom so you've got that confidence graph you know you'll soon be here you'll soon be here Mm. rather than we're there need to be Paul Rand that's a chasm yeah and people give up I'll never get there Mm -hmm. you know and then go work in wherever McDonald's or whatever because they don't feel that they can make it. It takes time. Yeah. It's not you know, some people are super talented and will get picked up like that. That's the point one percent of the world. Everyone else has to work hard and train mm-hmm. to get there. So mm-hmm. um I forget what the original question was earlier. Like, um, no problem. Felt like a good answer though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> felt meaningful. Brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. Um, how uh, transformational for your business has content marketing been I mean you put a lot of really good quality blogs your YouTube channels doing
1: really really mm. well I mean has the, what to what extent I mean, a is game that changer really it's been I mean I think it's content marketing is one of those phrases I think <laughs> you know you either know where it is or you don't or you think it's one of those it's a tactic um I didn't know what Content marketing was. I had never heard of it as a phrase like three years ago, two and a half years ago. It seems a lot longer. It seems like I've been doing it forever. And yeah. the way I have been doing content marketing forever, because I'm a helpful person and content marketing is about being helpful and useful. It's, you know, you're basically just giving, con- you're, you're giving advice and you're being helpful so that when someone is looking to buy, mm-hmm. they may think of you because you've been super helpful to them without constantly saying, buy from me, buy from me. You're just like, here, do you want to go and do this? You can go and do it on your own if you want. Here's how you do it. <laughs> you'll give it a go and you'll probably go, I can't do this. Yeah. I'll go speak to Carl because he obviously knows what he's doing. But for me, content marketing has helped in a way that, from what we've just been talking about, it's helped me to focus on my message. What am I trying to do? What am I trying to say? Whereas before I'd be doing it on a one-to-one basis with the client, this now meant I had to write a blog so I had, to, I had to, rather than just have a, 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 a kind of a, a chat with someone which can go anywhere and you can always come back with a blog, you can't do a Billy Connolly and start and go way off there and then come back because people will get lost. So it made me focus on my message and take the skills that I have and actually analyze them what is it that I'm, what is it I'm doing? How do you do this? Mm-hmm. And so I started writing blogs. Now I'm not, I don't love writing. <laughs> um, people did say though, that the people that knew me said, you know, they're really quite good and it comes across like you. You, you write the way you speak and I thought well, that could be a good thing or a bad thing um, and so I, I found it really hard and then Chris Marr, who runs the Content Marketing Academy, um, which I'm a member of, had said, you'd probably be quite good at video because you're quite a chatty person. I was like, I'm not going to video. I don't even want like to get my photo taken. I'm not <laughs> going to go on video. I was like, no way. And then it got to the point where it was that leap thing, that scary leap. And I went, right, I'm going to do it. I'll have a look at YouTube and see what's out there oh my God, there's hundreds of designers out there and they've all got 100,000 subscribers and a million subscribers. There's no point. Why should I do it? I'm not going to do it. There's no no point. It's, it's, It's oversaturated. And then Chris said, but remember what the content marketing thing is. It's about you. You will deliver information which may be exactly the same information, but you'll deliver it in your way. People buy from people. So someone may... Be watching a designer's channel, but they don't connect with the way that person's delivering. Mm-hmm. But then they'll watch yours and they'll like the way that you do it. He's got a good way of convincing you to try something which is quite scary. <laughs> so I did it. I um, it took three days to record a five-minute video and edit it and um put it out there, and it was like the five, I think it was the five basic types of logo. Um and it's my best performing video, and I, I look like a block of wood in it and I'm just so (laughs) reading a script and everything but I really got into it I started to enjoy it and um, it was a slow journey you know because you get fixated on the numbers how many views have I got how many subscribers have (laughs) I got and I very quickly gave up on sort of focusing on that because you could get lost in doing that but again Chris said just do the content one of the things with content marketing is consistency. You have to be consistent Mm. because if you start to build up an audience, they start to expect to get content from you and I kind of I was trying to still do my blog my written blog and do my video and I was thinking about doing a podcast and it kind of all fell apart a little bit and I became really inconsistent and I noticed that my stats on Google Analytics and things were dropping and And so I decided, right, what do I enjoy most? The video, right, let's just try and kill it on YouTube. Let's just focus on that because then once you do that, the video could be repurposed as a blog. It could be repurposed as a podcast. Um, So that's kind of how my brain started going into that. And I just started doing a video. Well, what happened was Chris started a 90-day challenge in the, the Content Marketing Academy that you had to set a goal, That every week you were going to do X, Hmm. so I said, right, I'm going to do two videos, and so we did the we did that 90 days, and I stuck it out. It was hard, a lot harder than I thought. I didn't do a plan, so I was like, what will I do this week? What will I do this week? And I noticed the channel was growing a little bit, and I got I got 100 subscribers, and I was over the moon at the end of the challenge. And towards I think it was just after that challenge. Another person that you've interviewed, Gavin Bell, um, the the Scottish Casey Neistat, <laughs> um, the nutter who jumps off cliffs in Shetland, um, had had started doing a hundred day challenge, uh, hundred day hundred days of uh, vlogging, mm-hmm. and I was aware that I was still quite wooden. I wasn't relaxed in front of the camera, and I'd spoken to Gav, and he said that he noticed him, that for him just doing the vlog every day and just having a chat. It wasn't edited. It was just him, two minutes or whatever, 90 seconds, 60 seconds in Gav's case, quick chat, off, next day off. I thought, I'm going to give that a go. So I started that in December, 1st of December. I can't remember what year now, 2015 or 16. I can't remember. It must <laughs> must have, oh, I can't remember. It's really bad. Things move together. And I did that. And I I stuck it. It was a hard challenge. Some days you just don't want to do a video, you've had a crappy day or whatever. Mm. Or you think, I haven't got anything to say. People that know me know that I always have something to say. So my <laughs> my vlogs tend to be a little bit a little bit longer than Gav's. But people were watching them. And I was just giving a little bit of behind the scenes. And it was, I think it was good as well to let people know what doesn't work. Yeah. As a designer. This was really tough today and it was really tough. So it kind of opened things up a little bit. I got to 100 and I looked at video one and and video one, I was using my iPhone, selfie camera halfway through. I changed to uh, a vlogging camera uh, and an external mic. And it just, you look at the change. And so I did a, a sort of a celebratory 100 days video on, on the differences in what I'd learned. And it was amazing. It was when I look back on that first one, it's dark and I'm just like a bit nervous. And then on the last one, I'm, I'm walking up to the camera and I'm doing all these things and it was just it was one of the best things I could have done for my confidence for the skill level on on camera getting used to being the treating the camera as a as a person rather than this thing <laughs> um yeah it just opened up doors and it made my youtube videos my sort of weekly videos a lot better i was less prone to cutting out mistakes. Um, I kept you know a mistake's a mistake. People are if you cut out all the mistakes, it's it's like the, it's like a Facebook life, it's like an Instagram life that's just all the gloss. Hmm. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to watch my videos and it be like speaking to me in person. And I'm quite a Quite teachery. I, I think I'm quite slow at speaking when I'm trying to explain stuff. And I very quickly picked up an audience of designers. Now, I started the YouTube channel to educate potential clients, mm. but they, the, the des- younger designers started to pick up on that, and a lot of them are from India, Asia, Pakistan. So I think my speaking style, which is quite slow, and um, quite succinct. Mm. They're able to understand things. And I get a lot of comments saying, Oh, I, I love your videos. You, you know, you, the way you speak is easy to understand things. Mm. And it's just the way I, I've always delivered stuff. I'm not doing it deliberately. Um, but I think we're at 3,250 as of today. Um, something like that, uh, which I find incredible that, you know, I'm, I'm not as naive to know, to think that, all 3,000 of these people are watching my videos. I know what it's like to subscribe to a channel on YouTube (laughs) and never go back to it again. But I do have a core group of people that I'll put a video up and I'll get 100 views within 10 minutes or whatever um, on certain ones. And it's now trying to find out what people want to to learn because you Mm -hmm. could do a video and it's like, woohoo! you do another one, and you're like, where is everyone? Why is nobody watching it? And that might be a slow (laughs) burner. Um, But yeah, my first video... Is over thirty thousand views or something, and it's, yeah. and it's not it's about the content that's the thing as well it's not about celebrity status and things like that. If you deliver good content with yeah. content marketing to get back to your question <laughs> um consistency and good content useful content if you go in thinking that it's about celebrity and look at me, mm. people will move on you've got to yeah. be useful to them um. And that's the hard part of content marketing is being useful without mm. the fluff. Mm. You know, especially on video, time, your attention spans on video are super short. Yeah. So I'm learning as well that you need to kind of get into it as quick as you can and try try to keep it as concise as possible. My earlier videos, are, I could kind of go on a bit, whereas I, I used to have like an intro animation, which was eight seconds long. So I'd say, hi, it's called, here's, here's what we're talking about, intro video and I don't do the intro video, why is it there? It doesn't need to be there. <laughs> it's just, here's what we want to talk about, let's talk about it and just okay. get straight into it. So you do learn things for short stuff. I think if you're doing longer things, maybe like your interviews, mm-hmm. like it's more like a TV show, mm-hmm. the intro's natural. People expect it to be. Yeah. But if you're trying to deliver things in three minutes, four minutes, don't waste <laughs> 10 seconds of that time. With it. <laughs> Chuck it on the end. I've got a thing at the very end. So if someone's right at the end, great. They'll they'll watch that. But not you, the start's the important bit. That first 10 seconds, if you haven't caught them in there, then it's going to be difficult. So do it useful, consistent, and just turn up. You know, just, yeah. just turn up and be you. Don't be somebody else. Hmm. You've got to be you because that's... Like what I said in branding, if you if you if you your core values are based on what you're trying to sell, people will see through it, and you'll get bored of it. So I think if you're going to start doing video, just be yourself, as much as you might hate it, (laughs) because you're not comfortable with it. It's how people see you every day. Mm -hmm. It's no different. It feels different because you're speaking to a camera, but it's it's just how you are. Yeah. Um. You might be a bit stilted. But doing it more and more, you'll just end up being just like you. Um, I think, I've, you know, in this situation, being interviewed as well, because I'm used to just being on camera a little bit, I'm a lot less nervous about this than I would have been if this had been a year ago, two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'd sweat pouring yeah, down yeah. my face. And <laughs> It'd be an entirely different uh, thing. But, uh,
0: you can, I can always tell with people that are have done, um, well, I suppose speaking, but also in front of camera. You can definitely yeah. tell. It's I mean, that's difference. the thing with
1: the, the with content marketing as well, Is and me saying it helps me kind of hone my message a little bit. Mm. Chris from the, the Content Marketing Academy gave me a couple of great opportunities to go on stage mm. at CMA Live, his, his uh, conference, and that was another... Geez, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it because it's I want people to become aware of who I am and, and what I'm doing. And I think my I think my look helped a little bit. It kind of sticks in people's mind. And I made sure to wore a kilt on stage as well. So it was like hmm. just doing something to be different, to stand out and be yourself. Um and without content marketing, I wouldn't be doing speaking. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be sitting in this chair. Yeah, it's you true. Wouldn't, you wouldn't be interviewing me. <laughs> it's if, true. If it yeah, wasn't, yeah. Wasn't for the things that content marketing has got me doing. Yeah. You think go into content marketing to write a blog? Chris was actually talking today. Um, we have a catch up on the CMA, and he was talking today about goal setting and how you could set your goals, but you might not achieve those goals. But by trying to get to those goals you'll achieve other things. Mm -hmm. And that's the same for content marketing. If you get into it and start to understand how you should be delivering your own topic, you don't know where it'll take you. It'll take you to sitting in front of yourself, Elliot, or (laughs) it'll take you to being on stage, or it'll just take you to helping people in a different continent (laughs) build a life for themselves. That's the most amazing thing. I have a teacher in the States who uses my videos to teach her class. That's mind-blowing to me. That is mind-blowing. That's not, you know, I'm not making anything from that. There's no revenue in that for me. What I get from that is just like, that's amazing that, you know, and so I think we're going to arrange that I'm going to do a Zoom call with the class, you know, and she's like, oh, they'll be so excited about that, you know. um, That's amazing to me. I just love that, being able to help, especially kids and younger people, help them get that, miss out that, horrible bit that I've had to go through. You know, mm-hmm. be confident. Just go for it. You know, if you've got the skills and you're confident in what you do, don't let anybody knock you back. Yeah. You know, just just keep going. And I can do that through a YouTube video. Hmm. It's mental. Yeah. It is this,
0: this, this is linking in quite nicely with my next question, actually. And one of the things that you mentioned and that you help people with, from probably a brand perspective, but for a solopreneur, it's kind of one yeah. and the same in that, you know, finding the kind of purpose. You know, that Simon Sinek has really popularised the yeah. what is your why type thing. Yeah. I mean, from your your own personal perspective, I mean, what do you feel is your your purpose?
1: My, it's... it's one of those ones where you you start to say it and then you jump over and you go, well maybe it's that maybe it's that. Um, I would say when I first think of it, I always go it's to educate people in you know in about design. But it's when I go into it more, it's actually about giving people confidence in their in in their business. Mm-hmm. Um, if we come at it from a a business point of view, I have people come to me. With businesses, it might be startups, or they might have had businesses for a long time. When we go through the process of their of doing their core values and finding out what their purpose is and what their vision is and their mm. mission, hmm. the confidence that they have, especially ones who have maybe been running the business for four or five years now, I think we need to maybe change. It's like chalk and cheese, and then the comments you get back from them are like, "Oh, it's, this is so good. You know, we we really feel we know who we are now, and and we're confident that if we." if we keep going it's the content marketing if we're consistent with our message and the way we push it if we build it they will come type approach so that's a purpose of mine is to build is to give people the confidence that they're maybe lacking and do it through design you know just uh, and when I say design I mean pictures and helping them with with kind of strategizing where they need to go with their branding Mm -hmm. but The overall arching thing is just be helpful. That's that's my purpose. Be as helpful as I can Um, in any way, even if it's not design. I'm you know always there for people to bend my ear a little bit. (laughs) Um, I just need to be careful that I don't give too much of my time in that way. Um, But it's just everything I do is just be helpful. Just want to be helpful as much as I can. I get that from my dad. My dad is like the most unselfish person you know um, I would say I I have a little bit of selfishness but uh, my dad is just so unselfish he's just drop of a hat he will go and do things for people and you know kind of I get a lot of that from him Um, you know and my mum as well you know the two of them are like the best (laughs) Uh, you know especially like bringing up six kids not an easy job Um, so I think you know we're all well balanced and I think the helpfulness comes from you know always willing to kind of to step out and move over into a space that helps someone achieve what they want to do and then just move back into my space. Mm-hmm. Because I get so much out of that. You know, it's we all start business to make money, to make a living, but by God, the, the smile on people's faces when things work for them because of something I've done, that's worth more than... Anything that they could pay me—that's mm. just love. That—that that just makes my day, you <laughs> know. And everything. When sometimes everything's going to shit in the world around you, but you can make one person's life better, yeah, for however long, you know, forever. Mm. As long as they're running their business, you know, it just keeps it on. You don't. You don't know what. You don't know what your legacy would be, you know, um, where it. Where it takes people, you just you think you are maybe I'm a I'm a little part in someone's life. I've created a logo for them. Bye, see you later. And then they go off because that logo was just given them the <laughs> wings to to go and do what they want to do. And you don't know what they you don't know what they then help people do. And I don't mean from selling products. Just the confidence that you've given them in business will no doubt leak into their personal life. Yeah, and and, and week through. So it's. Yeah, yeah. I think designers, uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's more than the, the pictures. And so I think all designers are helpful. We all solve problems. Mm. We all, you know, we're problem solvers by design. What a corny <laughs> phrase to use. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that's, and I think a lot of designers don't realize that, that, that that's what we do, you know. Mm-hmm. And we are super helpful to people. So Superheroes. We are superheroes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you, you mentioned legacy. Interestingly, I mean, what, what do you think you would like your legacy
1: to be? I I think that the that I made a difference to, um, just a difference in a I made a difference in a positive way to people, and like I say, whether that be in the business sense or help them personally. Um, Legacy is such a, a big word in terms of, wow, that's a bit, you know, deep. What do you want people to think back and and stuff? But I think if people look back and said, you know, that half hour I spent with Call was, made a big difference to where I am at now, you know, I'm not saying it's like the be all and end all, but if they can look back and just mention my name in any way that's mm-hmm. helped them, that's... That's that'd be great, you know. Um, I don't have any massive. Don't want a statue or anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Be nice, um, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't think. I think. I think just my legacy would just be that people think of me in a nice way. Yeah, and that I've been you know helpful and and stuff. So it's, yeah, <laughs> these are the types of questions that I'm rubbish with. <laughs> it's a difficult question yeah. for sure. Yeah, big time. Um, big time.
0: Yeah. What, 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 how do you define success I and mean, what does success look
1: like for you? Uh, it's not money, that's for sure. Because um, I consider myself fairly successful in that, you know, I'm still going 13 years in. Um, if success was based on money, then I'd be one of the most unsuccessful businesses going. <laughs> um. <laughs> But success for me, I think it goes back. It, it all ties into the. It ties into my purpose and the legacy thing. Success for me is how many people can I help, mm. um, and is it working for them? Um, and not. And in this respect, not just by you know, not not through design. I mean, I have an accountability group. Um, Pam, Cara, and Vicky. We meet every two weeks, um, and we hold ourselves accountable. You doing this? You should be doing that. I I find success in helping those three great people achieve things in life that they want to do and we do we help one another out with personal stuff as well as business stuff so success for me is just is being there mm. for people um, in a in a designer way or in an agony call <laughs> kind of way that's that's just how I you me, you know measure it it's, I'm not um I'm not one of those like Entrepreneurial type people that mark success in how many inquiries have I had today? How many speaking engagements have I been given? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that may change for me. That's a different type of success, but that would be business successes. And that's not how my brain works on a daily basis. Um, it's probably a bad thing when you run a business, but it's, I'm very much, I'm always focused on the personal side of my clients. What can I do for them? That helps them be better, that will help their business. Because it always goes into the core of the person running the business. Because I could help them out and do great posters and stuff like that for them, but they're only great because of the, the client's great with me. So it's most of my clients become friends, mm-hmm. especially when you go through long processes. You know, we'll we'll always keep in touch and stuff like that. I can't say that about clients from 10 years ago where it was very much a draw this, see you later type thing. Mm. You do build up, you know, you're asking a lot of questions and they are confiding in you because you're trying to get to, you're trying to build the most personal, honest, thing for them so they have to kind of let you know Um, Hmm. and that's why sometimes as well some people won't be the right fit for me because they can't work in that way and they need a different designer, they might need an analytical designer who is the 20 point questionnaire, let's do this in an an analytical way whereas I'm more of a let's get to know you better and by knowing you I can create this brand around you Mm-hmm. that speaks you and speaks to your you know speaks to your audience so it's kind of that sort of mm. maybe not the most usual way of recording success but that's just how we do it it's just smiles I record it on smiles
0: <laughs> but it's it's so refreshing that that is your approach rather than it be kind of you know uh, yeah like how many clients or what is the money or yeah
1: I mean I've obviously got those thing. goals I've got you know I, w- I want. I have subscriber targets for for YouTube and things like that. But mm-hmm. those are those are things to strive for. They're not. It's a success if you reach it, but it's not why I'm doing the job I do. Sure. And I think that's where you need to separate the two. Yeah. Um, you've got your business successes, but then you've also got your your purpose success, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. your your vision. You know, so and I'm always. I think I'm always working to that. I'm always working to my, to those core things um, Mm -hmm. that are within me. So (laughs) big softy. That's that's my thing. (laughs) What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, I'm going to swear now. Um, It was from uh, a lady called uh, Laura Lucas, who basically I can thank for where I am now um over the past sort of three and a half years or so, three, three and a half years. Um I was Pixels Inc. was was about, you know, sort of ten years old. It will be three years old, will be thirteen years old in December this year. And um for the previous five years or so to meeting Laura, I'd been working in partnership with a web design agency, two great guys, Gary and Phil, who are based down in Norfolk. And I was sort of the design arm and they built websites and stuff. And uh, that partnership ended um, amicably. It wasn't a a bad thing. We just kind of went our separate ways. And I decided that I was kind of treading water. I was doing okay, but I, I needed somebody to give me a kick up the arse and do stuff. Um, It's too safe in my own little thing. I didn't want to take these cliff edge jumps. And so I took Laura on um, as a business coach. It was six months and it was basically the last of my money. And it was one of those, if I don't do this, I'm not going to get any better. So by giving Laura pretty much all the money I have, I'm going to have to do something about it. So Laura came in and taught me the usual businessy type stuff in that. And, uh, you know, and give her a due. I basically made the money back in a month that I'd paid her because it gave me some of the things she taught me it gave me confidence in dealing with clients and to not be scared of the money side of things. You know, mm-hmm. she's the one that started to teach me to value myself. But the one thing she said was JFDI. Which is just fucking do it. No matter how scary it is, if it looks like it's the thing you should be doing, JFDI. And that's <laughs> always kind of been in the back of my mind when something's there, Laura's like, you know, the back of my is it the right thing to do? JFDI and do it, you know? And so, and I have, I've made leaps. You know, I moved, simple things, like to to a lot of people would be simple things, you know, moving from one office to another office. For me, that was twice the money, but it was a brand new build, it was called District 10 in Dundee, it was really cool, it's made out of shipping containers, it was perfect for me as a designer to be in there. It was the right thing to do. But I was going, oh, that's twice the money, isn't it? JFDI, it's the right thing to do. And (laughs) I did it, and... Laura was right. You know, you move into that situation, you find ways to make that situation work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's, and I live by that now. It's kind of, it's always there. It's always there. Um, so that's, you know, it's not, it's not something Paul Rand said. It's not something Steve Jobs has said. It's not one of those quote things. Yeah. Um, I should maybe make it a quote. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Laura just gave me that boost, and Laura is the one that introduced me to Chris Marr. And that started my content marketing journey. So, you know, pretty much where I'm at, I've got to thank Laura for that. That's been a big thing. Um, I wouldn't be, again, wouldn't be sitting here yeah. without, without Laura. So, JFDI at folks. <laughs> apologies that was, for swearing. That's was brilliant. Not at all.
0: No, no. Don't mind that at all. If you had the opportunity to speak to your 20-year-old self, what would you say?
1: JFDI... <laughs> I would, I would. I'm such, such a scaredy cat about stuff. Um, I just think from just personal things that have happened, and 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 that they they make you you become introverted, and as, especially as the designers are working on your own a lot, um, you become self contained. So everything outside is dangerous. Mm. Um, so it's about. I would go back and I would just say, have confidence in your own abilities. you don't need people to tell you you're good at that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you feel you're good at it, go out there and and kind of sing about it. not be egotistical, don't be egotistical about it, but be confident in your abilities because you you are good at what you do um I've got to this you know I got to the stage where I was constantly needing feedback before I did anything. Is this the right thing to do? Should I be doing this? Mm. And just, I look at other people who can just go and do it. And I'm like, man, that'd be, you know, just to be able to go, that's the right thing to do. Just go and do it. So like I say, Laura's kind of teaching me to do that a little bit, but I do still, I do still, hey guys, I'm thinking about doing this. Do you think that's the right thing to do? But that's what my accountability (laughs) group's for. And you know, and it's, and if it's not the right thing to do, boy, will they tell me that's not the right thing to do. So it's, it's just having that. So, yeah, just go back to myself and just go, you know what? If you want to do that, go and do it. Hmm. Nothing awful is going to happen. Yeah, It really isn't. Um, whether my 20-year-old self will listen to me, mm. because it's almost like what I talked about earlier. The I'm not saying Paul Rand, but there could be this chasm. But I think the difference being is like, no, I am you. This is what you could be. And you could achieve this by the time you're 25 not wait till you're 43 because that's the thing you know if I was able to do that mm-hmm. by the time I was 30 I'd probably be doing have a bigger agency or be doing whatever I don't mm-hmm. know I might be going in, might be speaking somewhere but you know I'm 43 years old now and uh, just feel like I'm starting <laughs> Um I feel like my 20 year old self yeah. I feel like that's where I'm at and I'm excited I'm having a great time um, it's all it's all good it's That's all awesome! good so it's Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. You you
0: speak about uh values, I mean brand values, but also personal values, because often the brand is a reflection of the individual yeah, themselves. Like, yeah. What what
1: are your own personal values? Um, I remember for a while I hadn't actually thought of what they were and I was sitting with clients going, Come on, <laughs> let's get your core values, dreading yeah. them going, What's yours? Then going No, oh, I've not thought of mine. Um I know what mine's are though. Mine's are um, uh, honesty is a big one for me. Mm. Empathy, I'm a massive empath, which could be horrendous, <laughs> uh, which is why I get scared going on concept calls. I'm like, oh, if they say what they say, it's bad. Um, uh, Creativity is obviously in there. And um, education, educate. So those are my four. Um, I should probably have a fifth, I have a client. Who has a, a four has four core values or pillars, and one of them is rest, which I think is great. Huh. You know, having a rest pillar, you must rest. I desperately need to introduce a fifth pillar to <laughs> mine, which is rest. Um, but I think, I think if you, I think if you ask people, you know, honesty, empathy, is probably creativity. One is probably a get out of jail free one because I'm a designer, but I think you can be creative in other ways you know, with what you do, it doesn't have to be design. It's I'm creative with the way I help people and stuff. So Yeah. And that's that kind of leads into the YouTube channel and stuff. I just want to help people. I just want to that's what that's what I get my kick out of is seeing people achieve something through something that I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's yeah. Um, and those are it's only in the past wee while that I've been able to come up with those because they were so wishy-washy up to that point. I, I probably internally knew what they were, but I couldn't write them down. Um, I would have felt probably putting things like empathy and honesty isn't, that's not what a business's core values are. You mm. know, a business's core values are growth, <laughs> yeah. strive to succeed and all of that stuff, you know, yeah, like the real yeah. businessy stuff. But I'm learning now that your core values should be, you know, Deeper than the surface stuff. the the mission statement is that kind of thing. Yeah. Your your purpose or your core values, you know. And then you have your vision, and then you have your mission. So it's you get that right, um, and that's why it's tough because mm-hmm. you've got to be honest with yourself hmm. um, with it. And I think that's one thing I am with my clients is if I fuck it up, I will say I've completely messed this up, and I and we'll fix it um, so that. They know that if you know if it's going good, they know it's going good. If it's not going so good, I'll be like, right, okay, we need to hold off and do this. And I just because I've worked for people in the past who have not been honest with clients, and I've seen the mess that that causes. Mm. Not so much for the client, but behind the scenes, I've worked for bosses that lie and have to keep track. Of lies. <laughs> what did I say to them last? And you're like, I don't want to live like that. Yeah. Having a having a file on a client to what you said to them last time so that you can come oh, on. Jesus. And that's not a lie, that's happened. And and that then reflects back on staff who are living in an who are working in an atmosphere of you can't speak to the client because you might say something that I've not ah, oh, no. And it so there's that's you know, that's kind of where the that's the good you can take from the bad mm-hmm. is, you know, live by what you see other people doing. Well, pff, that's not for me. And that yeah. was one of the main reasons for starting Pixels Inc was to treat people like treat like people and not job numbers. <laughs> I've worked in businesses that were small and it was great and then we expanded. And rather than it being, how's that job coming on for Joe or Jenny, it's how's invoice number 27 doing? When I mean, you start talking like that, Where's the soul in the work that you're doing? It's just get it done. Yeah. Get it out the door. And I couldn't deal with that. So yeah. I'm very much first name terms with, with people and and that's and I think that shows I think that shows in the way that the projects go. Um, and that's why I try to work on longer term projects these days than short business card jobs. I don't really do if someone came to me and said I'm looking for a business card, it's not really the type of thing that I would do. I would refer them on to another designer that I know mm-hmm. who's working their way up, or is a maybe a bigger agency who will do that. So it's um, or, or Fiverr, or Fiverr. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. I still think business cards are important as much as a lot of people don't. Um, but yeah, it's uh, that's that's my my core values are pretty much. The, the the first two empathy and honesty are my my big ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's me <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, if you could change anything in the world, what would it be and why?
1: Um, I uh, it's hard to not get political with some things and you think, but to me it would probably be just the balance of wealth. Just there's so much wealth in the world but so much poverty. It just doesn't just doesn't compute. Yeah. Just does not compute. And and that's, you know, I'm not gonna to touch on, on into politics, but it's just we're in a we're in a cycle right now where the the wealth the wealthy are still getting wealthy and the and it's now starting to cause deaths in the 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 lower echelons of society. And I think that's that needs to be changed politically or it's gonna get changed civilly, I think, you know, and I don't mean in a civil way. I mean in a civil war kind of way. I think people are gonna just it's just gonna especially in the UK, we're so we'll we'll take so much. You know, and we will. We'll just take so much, but there's a point where it's going to crack and it's going to be a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so yeah, I would change the balance of wealth and I would reverse Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah. no! Nice. D- yeah, I think that's that's yeah. It's, it's very. I suppose it's very now. It's not like cure all illnesses and things. I would do that as well. But I think I think get that balance right, or at least. F- change it. You know, it's never going to be perfect, but we need to start, if we can get some of that wealth out into the lower things, a lot of the problems that we have would be solved. Yeah, Health or education, all of that would be solved. So I think there's a lot to be said for just rich people, you know, <laughs> spread it around a bit. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people do, a lot of wealthy people do. I mean, I think people like Elon Musk, Yeah, who is doing the right thing. Bill Gates, you know, Bill Gates maybe more in later life. I don't really know much about what he did, but Elon Musk is obviously, He's you know, he's quite social. You know, you you hear a lot about him, but I think what he's trying to do, when he's stepping in to help countries with electricity problems because of tornadoes over and above the president of the United States Things need to change, you yeah. know, when someone like that but good on him. You mm-hmm. know, he's a he's an absolute visionary and I think he's doing great things. So yeah. Good That's answer. Good answer.
0: It's just a very quick one to finish. I feel as though I have to ask ask you this. If you could have any superpower, what would it be?
1: Oh, wouldn't be flight. I'm scared of heights. Um I'd love I'd be very low-level flying. <laughs> um Going through all my, my, I'd like to live forever. Wow. I'd like to be immortal. I know some Jeez. people say that would be horrible because everybody around you would die. That is a downside, but I think the way I am, if I could help people forever, it'd be awesome. That'd be a great superpower to have, you know. Not invisibility to go and hide in... that's the one I thought and stuff. <laughs> um, kind of, I have felt invisible for too long. I think, you know, I kind of feel invisible. Um, Yeah, immortality would be pretty cool. But with Wolverine's healing powers, because I wouldn't (laughs) want to lose a finger and then that's me stuck without a finger for immortality forever. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, so that would be pretty cool. Invulnerability and immortality. I'm taking two because I think I deserve it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff, Cole. It's been brilliant fun ta- chatting to you. Me. It's been
1: brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, you enjoyed it's it's it? Good. Yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, it's been <laughs> it's... good talking about stuff.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, to watching this back.
1: Yeah, we'll get to 10K awesome. on. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, folks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, great stuff. Well, call. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. You've been listening to Inspired Edinburgh. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe for more powerful conversations. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show and we'll see you at the next episode.